Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. It's Palm Sunday, and our reading comes from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Thanks for listening. God bless you. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went out to meet him. The Pharisees said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew that Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Everybody loves a parade, right? We were at the St. Patrick's Day parade last month. That was a lot of fun. Beautiful weather in Henderson. And the kids will always go to parade, no matter what. Uh, no matter the occasion. Pride parades, MLK, Heldorado. I heard we don't call it that anymore. It's the Las Vegas Days Parade in November. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They will show up to a parade, and it's for one reason. The folks handing out the candy. Yeah, they're here for the candy. I get it. That's the good stuff. That's the reason to show up. That, you know, I like the parade stuff. I like everything else going on, all the events where the marching bands come. I, that's one of my favorite parts. Local celebrities, local organizations, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, even the Las Vegas Jedis, they're always there. LARPing. They're cool. But especially in the fall, uh, though it's really all year round, you've got to sit through all the folks that are running for office, right? All these, these politicians or, or would-be elected officials, they're passing out stickers and flyers with their faces on them. I guess that's fine, but it's not like you're able to really have a conversation with them, really get to know what is it is that they stand for, what do they plan on for our city talk about the issues that matter. It's kind of just a big show, right? And they rarely bring the good candy. 
So just a word of advice. If you're running for office, candy bars. That's it. Skittles, that's okay. It's not that hard, is it? But it's a spectacle a spectacle, because they know everybody's going to be there. You better show up, get a little FaceTime in, or roll down the street waving in their sports cars or classic hot rods to get some attention if you can pick them out of the crowd. I know they mean well. They're making the effort. Will they be good leaders, though? Don't know. We just don't know. We need more information. When it comes time to decide who we will vote for, will we base that decision on who had the best can koozie or stress ball or sticker or button? And how can we know what they will do once they have the power? I can imagine people there in Jerusalem just getting ready for the Passover holiday and then the news begins to spread. There's a commotion that a crowd is forming on the edge of the city. And Jesus and his followers show up in mass with Jesus on the back of a donkey. And they run out to greet him like, like Buddy the Elf that hears that Santa's coming. I know him! <laughs> They'll run out to see him and see the parade and the apostles will be tossing out a bag of Skittles. No, that's not, that's, that's not how it went. But the faithful run out to see Jesus sitting on a donkey's colt because they, they get it. This is a message. And they remember that this prophet, Zechariah, once told them, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is sending a message about who he is. He's the one in control, and, and John's gospel reports that Jesus went and got the donkey himself. The other three gospels talk about sending someone to go get it for him. Jesus is in control here. John wants us to know that. So maybe the people get the reference, but the, do they understand the purpose? And they shout out loud, Hosanna, save us. Save us. It's one interpretation. Some people argue about that. They have their own expectations, though. This Messiah should be the one to save them from something. From what? Empire? Okay. From foreign invaders? Maybe. From the religious rulers, even. What about from their sins and from themselves? It's probably not what they had in mind. Hmm. As we finish reading the Gospel of John through the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to remember where we began in the first chapter of John. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. These people... They want the candy. They want the good stuff, don't we all? They want the warrior king, the one with such power that can even bring the dead back to life. Oh yeah, they heard about that. And that will send the guards and the governors and the emperor running, maybe. Yeah, they had heard about Lazarus. The word was out. People were testifying. They were going and telling the story of what Jesus did back in Bethany. Jesus tells this story right after the incident, this, we hear the, the Palm Sunday story, right after this incident with Jesus' friend Lazarus, Lazarus being raised and called out of the tomb. So the religious leaders were worried. They had a lot going on. They were plotting to kill Lazarus even. 
but the people loved it. They were losing their minds and waving the palm branches, a symbol of peace, welcoming Jesus in. I can't imagine what's the closest thing we have in our time to something like this. Maybe uh, the spectacle that we see after a Super Bowl win or the World Series when the winning team takes to the streets, to the cheers of the crowd, spraying champagne. And I'm sure there's candy, too. (laughs) I've seen the footage of the celebration in the streets at the end of a World Series, but never got to attend one. Maybe you think of those pictures after the end of World War II, people celebrating in the street, right? They rejoiced and that families would be reunited. The Allies were victorious. The good guys won. The war was over. The people rejoiced and knew that the years to come would be more secure, better than those difficult ones they had lived through. Author Debbie Thomas writes that this event... This march into Jerusalem is much more protest than parade. And she reflects on the work of John Dominic Crossan and Marcus Borg, who, uh, who wrote a book called The Last Week, what the Bible really teaches about Jesus last week in Jerusalem. Noting that on the other side of the town, someone else is entering. And we talked about this as we talked about the, the Passover story. Pontius Pilate is coming into town. He lived down in Caesarea Maritima. He lived on the sea. He was working from home, remember? He's marching in to town as well to keep order during the Passover festival when the town is full of people, two million people, three million people maybe, with armed stallions and chariots and a great show of force. They came from his home on the sea to keep order. Jesus' procession stands in stark contrast to the military forces entering the city. Well, what kind of king will Jesus be if he's going to be opposing this armed force? All we have to do is go back to Zechariah chapter 9. The next verse says he will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and, the, ba- and the, the battle bow shall be cut off and shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This ruler, this one riding on the back of a donkey, will rule with grace, welcoming even these ones who don't understand and run out to meet him, forgiving the ones that will deride him, rising to conquer death itself. And Jesus isn't debating who would be a better prefect for Jerusalem or taking a shot at the emperor or running for school council. He's ending all the empires. And the debate between war and violence and peace and humility and service and sacrifice will be decided. Jesus will let love rule. Jesus is the one who brings peace that lasts, who ends wars altogether. This king of Israel is Lord and shepherd of all the nations. And they've heard about him and they're running to see him. But he's not tossing candy, no buttons for his supporters. He's got no handheld fans or t-shirts, not even chucking cheap promotional items to the crowd. He's not running a campaign at all. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to bring peace, but the cost will be his own body and his own life that he gives up. Like the Greeks that run out to meet Philip and Andrew, we want to see Jesus too. But maybe it's impossible for us on our own. We've been 
warped by the world. We see the candy, the accolades, the power, the titles. We want that too. That makes so much more sense to us because we so often want to be right. We want to think we know it all and we want control for ourselves. We want to align ourselves with the powerful, the winning team, and we want that glory. That sounds pretty good. But Jesus seeks something else. Jesus, God made flesh, was in the world. The name above all names is going to be lifted up so that God may be glorified. He has true power, the power to give his own life for the sake of the world. And the people shout, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. And he will. If we truly want to see that Savior, that one that will fulfill all our needs, feed us, heal us, save us, we get to go with him to the cross. This is where we will see who Jesus really is. In the week to come, as we tell the story, we'll see him there. In the quiet moments when we pray and in the places where we serve others, we'll see him where we show up and welcome new friends into worship, when we uphold those in need and trust in God to provide, we will see love rule. As we enter this holy week, we hear the story of the crucifixion once again, his death. I pray that we will all see the one that proclaims peace in times of war, gives everything for the sake of a world that refuses to see him in one another. Amen.